Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, folks. Welcome back to the Mountain West Wire football podcast. Jeremy here, hanging out with Matt, talking Wyoming Cowboys this week. MWR.com website where you will be able to read what we're doing as well and listen to what we're, what's going on. And also, not to be timely, Matt, but our top 50 is coming down pretty soon. Oh, yeah. And we're in crunch mode. <laughs> That's true. Cram mode. Not that we're late, but uh, we got a late start on it. But we'll, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll get it out there in a timely fashion, though, I promise. Yeah, don't don't worry, folks. We'll get it done. We won't take a break like last year with COVID. Like, holy crap, what's going on? Do we do it? Do we not do it? But uh, we're talking Wyoming Cowboys. As we do every week uh, throughout season, we're going through every uh, show, every team. Also, if you missed that one show we did recently, actually a timely show, Matt, which is kind of rare for the off season. Mm-hmm. was it SCOTUS, NIL, BYU to the conference, get the SEO in there so that people listen to that perhaps. Mm-hmm. So go check that out as well. But now we're going to Wyoming Cowboys. The big story, which was resolved when spring ended, was the quarterback battle. Sean Chambers, Levi Williams, and they go back to Sean Chambers. Do you feel that was the – let's get to it right now. Was that the best move for the team, to go with the former starter? I think, you know, when you when you take a close look at how last season unfolded, I think – yeah, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. We tend to talk about last season first and then the quarterback situation. We but can, I think, we can do that. Goes to last year with what it, Levi Williams did. But I think we you know, with with this particular team, I think both of those things are definitely tied together because you know we've seen over the, like the what last two three seasons now that like when when Sean Chambers has been on the field, he's been a difference maker, and you know even though they you know, lost that close game against Nevada to really open up the year, you know, before he got hurt, it seemed like it was going to be more of the same with him under center. Like, you know, very run-heavy offense, you know, where with with him and Xavier Valade and, and other contributors, you know, kind of complemented with the, with the fingers-crossed functional passing game. <laughs> no kidding. And then, you know, the, the entire story of the season was more or less, you know, after he went down, you know, Levi Williams had to you know, take over for basically the rest of the year, um, and, and until he got knocked out a couple times. Yeah. Uh, 
And it was really the story of, of a lot of offensive inefficiency. You know, and it, it wasn't really helped by the fact that, like, the defense, you know, had several key contributors from their 2019 team opt out of the season before it even began. You know, guys like, you know, Solomon Bird, and, you know, other, other, especially on defense, there was, you know, an expectation, well, okay, well, what's going to happen with so many, you know, stars, you know, opting out of the year, you know, getting knocked out with some, you know, really bad injury luck, you know, Xavier Valade missed, I think, the last game or two or was nicked up in the last game or two. Mm-hmm. You know, the offensive line had to shuffle some pieces around because of injuries. And, and even, you know, those, those players on defense who remained, you know, they weren't without their own kind of injuries to deal with throughout the year as well, like Ravante Holt. Garrett Kroll missed most of the year, or missed half the season. And in spite of that, you saw kind of two different results overall. Like, while the offense scuffled, you know, you would have expected the same kind of scuffles or at least a little bit of drop-off on defense. And that wasn't really the case. Like, even in all of the games that they lost, and they were only 2-4 and four last year, but in every single game, they were right there in it. You know, they only lost by three to Nevada, at Nevada, yeah, the border war was, you know, like, yeah. I don't know if Wyoming was ever truly threatening in that game, but they only lost that game by 10. Yeah. You know, and then when they were severely kind of banged up on offense in the New Mexico game, they only lost that by one. And then in the finale at home against Boise State, they only lost that by eight. So it was, you know, a lot of missed opportunities because the offense just, you know, for some reasons within their control, some without just wasn't up to the task that the defense, you know, was they were holding the line pretty much all season long. But it's also the receivers too, or Braden also has an issue last year to include with all this stuff. Yeah, like, but no you experience know, when, there. When you take that all into account, you know, now all of a sudden you're looking ahead to twenty twenty one. And you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you there's exactly one team in the FBS ranks that has more returning production coming back. You know, Wyoming has 95% of their returning production on both sides of the ball coming back. And, you know, historically, that's an indicator of a team that's about to make a big leap forward. Hope so. So you have to imagine that with better injury luck, and I think, you know, maybe we start talking about the quarterback situation in particular, with better injury luck, with the schedule they have coming into the season, and all of the pieces coming back everywhere because, you know, now all of a sudden, you know, yeah, they have returning production coming back. But all all around, this might be the deepest team in the conference anywhere. Interesting. And so even if they, you know, they suffer the same kind of injury luck that they have in years past, you know, this might be the year where they're better equipped to handle it. They could because quarterback, obviously they have um, Chambers and Williams running back, Trey Smith returning, Xavier Valaday. Uh, receivers are more experienced. That's an area, and that's still slight concern in my opinion because not a passing team, but the new OC. When we talked to uh, to Michael Katz of Trib.com and all the Wyoming places about how they want to open the ball up more and throw it, so if they do that, that could make for like instead of giving the ball forty times a game, give it to them thirty-three. Whoever's running the ball, pass it. That could make the biggest difference in the world if everything breaks their way. This has the potential to be one of the one of the best seasons this program has ever had. Ever? Ever. That's, that's better than ninety six? Yeah. That's saying a lot better than Josh Allegier. But of course but of course that's a but of course that's a big if. And it starts with the quarterback situation. And they gotta throw better. Like 
be more accurate. Yeah, that's part of it too. Like they, we know it. We see the stiff arm, see the highlights of Sean Chambers or even Williams, but they just really need to throw the ball. It's like I say, it's like thing all off season. I'm saying, just be like five percent better here or there. Mm-hmm. Just get a little bit better doing this, doing that. Because when Chambers was the was, he was the starter mostly in 2019, he was sitting at um, I have a stuff here. If it even pops up on here because his numbers are so low, they're not. But he was like they didn't throw the ball enough, and his completion percentage wasn't ideal. So if they could be just a little bit better here or there, that's all it really takes for, I think, for them to be like really, like like you said, one of the best seasons ever. Like 2018, Tyler Randall, 48%. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And stuff like that where Levi Williams last year, 49%. Even Josh Allen was barely at 55%, if I recall. That was a big yeah. concern. And so getting and to mid-50s, that might be enough. But you want to make sure that you have the appropriate context for it. Cause, you know, even though Levi Williams on the stat sheet was, you know, subpar when it came to throwing the football, he also played most of the year with a, with an injured shoulder. Yeah. Which wasn't going to do him any favors. And so, you know, I think, you know, when you think about, I think, you know, you just look at the numbers and you're tempted to think, oh, wow, well, you know, he's just, he's not going to cut it. One touchdown, but, three picks. But, yeah. But one, you know, he's, he's still very young. Like, so let's, let's not write him off just yet. No, I'm not. And, you know, two, you know, now he's in a situation where if Chambers is able to stay healthy, he's not necessarily, you know, in a, in a position where, like, he's got to step up and, like, you know, be, you know, a stud necessarily. Yeah. Like, I think he'll be in a much better position where if his number is called, that he'll be able to, you know, manage things and, and perform better than we saw him perform, you know, for most of last year. Just, again, by virtue of better health, I think that makes a world of difference. It, the, yeah, health, that's that's the main thing for this position, health wise, because it's been what two plus seasons at least, three. Yeah, like it's been um, it's been a recurring theme the past maybe five since years. Since Josh Allen left. Yeah, 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 exactly. Vanderwall, you have Levi Williams, you have Sean Chambers. Nobody's really been fully healthy. The closest was what when um was it twenty nineteen when Sean Chambers played most of the year, but he even then he Levi Williams came in the final three games, I think. Yeah. So. I, like that, their depth is probably like we mentioned this before. Like for a quarterback, like on par with what Boise State has, because Jack Sears seems pretty good, and um, Hank Bachmeyer. Like the depth at QB is really good. Like if it's depth at running back is really good. So we go to the running back. Does anybody have any better running back outside of maybe what Air Force can do? Like UNLVS Charles Williams. You have Ronnie Rivers at Fresno. Um, you have uh, Toa Tao and others in Nevada. These like when Trey Smith came in last year, he basically. There's not much drop off between him and Xavier and Valade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and, and that's and that's another position where yeah, obviously Valade is the headliner, and you know, he's one of the best individual runners anywhere in the conference. But I think it's it sort of speaks to the difference between like you know the the best individual running backs and the best units in in the conference because you know you mentioned you know you mentioned Trey Smith basically stepping up in. And the, the offense not necessarily missing a beat without Valade, but now they're also getting back Titus Swim, who right. you know two years ago, you know, back in 2019, he averaged over five yards a carry on, and you know it was granted it was only like 67 carries, but that's not decent, nothing, relatively small sample size. But you know he was another one of those guys who who opted out of 2020, and you know while yeah you can say on the surface like you know maybe they didn't miss him. You know, having him back is only going to make this ground game, which I don't think there's any mistake. They're still going to try and lean on it more often than not. Yeah. You know, now all of a sudden, if you've got a, a three-headed monster that you're dealing with, that's going to make it a lot harder 
for, for defenses to stop consistently. It's going to make it easier for Wyoming to want to play the kind of game that they want to play, which is ball control and play action. Like those two days, Smith and Valde combined for about 35 carries a game. Yeah. Tops number one and two in the conference, more than Air Force, more than San Diego State from checking here from last year's numbers. They were at the top of, which they're going to lean and do that. But having a third guy, maybe instead of Valade getting 19, about 20, he gets 17. You have Trey Smith and maybe 13 and whoever, you know what I mean, like just kind of pairs down a little bit. Or yeah. it could be like the fourth quarter, like, okay, like with Boise State and Jeremy McNichols years ago, okay, we split time, split time. Valade gets eight carries in the fourth quarter. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Eight to ten carries and just steamrolls everybody because he's fresh and only had ten carries the first three quarters and then eight in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and, and somehow – you know, despite, you know, the overall offensive frustrations, this is still a team that, like, before you adjust for quarterback sack yardage, this is still a team that, you know, only Air Force was a better ground game than these Cowboys were last year. Except. Which, you know, given, given you know, the offensive, you know, given the quarterback shuffle in particular, is really kind of remarkable. And so that's why where you look at, you look at Valaday, you look at Smith, and you kind of look past that team rushing yard per play figure, and you realize that both of those guys averaged five and a half yards per carry. And I think that, obviously, we don't entirely know how much, you know, new offensive coordinator Tim Polisek is going to change from what Brent Biggin did over the last several years. But I think if they can get five and a half yards per carry from both of those guys again, you know, that's exactly where Wyoming wants to be. And so it's just a matter of kind of fixing everything else up. You know, if, if that works out the way that they intended to again, they're going to be in great shape overall. Yeah, and then also we even mentioned like new OC to Paul Suck coming from mm-hmm. Iowa. Offensive line coach, Iowa wants to run the ball similar to what Wyoming does, so they run it. He wants to open up a pass some more is what he mentioned. Yeah. But having him there, that's a little wrinkle. He's North Dakota State for a couple of years, running backs coach, OC, Iowa the past handful of years as well. So he's been a part of successful programs. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be – I don't – I think it's going to be better. It has, well, not that it has to, but it's going to be better than last year. Just they have the like they have the quarterback. I think both are fine. I, I could go either way, but it can make a depth of running back. The offensive line once there, the rec- receivers get an extra year to actually play and not you know what I mean like have experience because they're getting like there was an issue with Aiden Eberhart. He was he left the portal, but now he's back. He stayed, so mm-hmm. that's a, that's a good thing. He's returning. But with the new OC, like kind of watch what Iowa does. We see North Dakota State does a couple NFL quarterbacks. N- not going to say whatever Chambers or Williams are going to be an NFL guy. You never know. But he's coached those type of offenses, which aren't necessarily North Dakota State. Is is I think what what I'm getting. I think what they want to do in North Dakota, what he did in North Dakota State, is more in line at Wyoming than Iowa. Because yeah. your old line coach, what are you going to do in Iowa? It's like okay, make sure he's block well and get the plays. So it's going to be kind of an in between where they may pass, they're going to pass a bit more. They've already said. They're going to run it, probably a little more shotgun, stuff like that, some motion type stuff. If you ever watch North Dakota State play, they do a bit, a touch of that. So that's what I think we'll see. And it'll just be a different wrinkle for opponents. It won't just be, uh, like, say when they play Colorado State, defensive line to play Boise State, the front seven's really good. They could actually, hopefully, you would think of new offense, kind of pass a bit more to balance that out to keep the running game more balanced, not balanced, but still good. Even though the yards will be there, I think they're going to be better if they could mix it in here and there. Mm-hmm. With a running pass, yeah, and I think you know we we talk about health luck, and obviously quarterback tends to get the lion's share of the attention, you know, for both like the hardcore fan and the casual fan. 
But, you know, injury luck also applies for, for this team in particular to the offensive line as well, because, you know, last year they didn't really get to play, I think, with the five guys up front that they wanted to. You know, Rudy Stover only started one game and then they had to shuffle, you know, Latrell Bible around, you know, both inside and outside. And Bible ended up, I think, starting the last five games at left tackle, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, Logan Harris missed some time. Um, you know, Alonzo Velasquez, I believe he missed the entire season with injury. And so you, you start thinking about, you know, this, this offensive line in particular. And, you know, even the guys who were in the starting lineup all year long, you know, guys like Eric Abijay, Keegan Kreider, those are above average offensive linemen. And despite the injuries up front, you could make a case that, like, you know, there were some definite weaknesses. You know, which I think, you know, maybe the offensive line shares with it along with the quarterbacks in particular. Cause like you look at the sack rate allowed for, for example, you know, they were 114th nationally with a sack rate of over 10%. I don't know that that necessarily speaks to like the true talent level up front though. I think yeah. that speaks more to like the inexperience of the quarterbacks behind them, you know, and I think primarily Williams and, and Gavin Barrett when he saw playing time, they both tended to hang on to the ball a little too long on occasion. Which, which, you know, when you're an offensive lineman, you can only protect for so long. And when you look at what they were able to do with you know, more of the advanced running metrics, for example, you know, you're looking at a line that was average despite the injuries by line yards per carry, for example, 56th nationally. You know, they were just outside the top 15 opportunity rate. So, like, they were enabling the runners, you know, whether it was Valaday or Smith, to get to the second level. Uh, you know, they were right around the national average in terms of stuff rate. You know, 59th, it was uh, 17.8% overall. So I think, you know, obviously there's some, some I would imagine there's going to be some competition, you know, for those starting roles. You know, maybe Velasquez comes in and starts again at tackle, or maybe Frank Crum, who saw, you know, playing time at right tackle all season long, you know, maybe he just supplants him and, and earns that starting job for good. You know, same thing with Harris on the interior. Maybe, you know, maybe it's him, maybe it's Zach Watts. But I think regardless of how it shakes out, you know, now all of a sudden you're looking at an offensive line that is maybe the deepest in the conference, you know, because pretty much everybody in the two deep has seen at least, you know, a handful of starts or at a minimum some playing time. And that's a great position to be in, you know, despite last year's trials by fire, you know, in some respects, they proved they could get it done, and I think you can give them the benefit of the doubt for improving in the places where, again, by the numbers, maybe they were left a little bit wanting. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's always always the thing, well, you've played, you've experienced, but how good is it if you're not very good? Yeah. That's always a comment you want to mention, but like how many games they played, not just games, which was it, six games they played last year? Mm-hmm. The the snaps count as well. It's pretty good too. You know what I mean? Just to get in there to play. So with all the amount of guys who have played, and well, I mean, it's traditionally known for like here's the thing: they ran the ball well last year, so it's not like the offense line was bad. Yeah, like they, so it's not. It wasn't just all Valaday and Trey running the ball and making side steps and spin moves to get open and run find holes. The offensive line does stuff to get them out there, and so it's yeah, going to be. 
it's got to be there. It's going to be there. And it also helps that, like, every contributor at tight end and fullback is also back for 2021 as well. And there's room, I would say, at both of those positions for them to grow even beyond this year. Like Trayton Welch, for example, is only a sophomore. Uh, you know, Colin O'Brien's a JUCO guy who who got high you know high marks from from both you know the media and the and from the coaching staff during spring ball. You know, those two guys plus Jackson Marcotti, you know, they're pretty much set at tight end for the next two or three seasons, let's say. And and Parker Christensen, who you know nobody else in the <laughs> nobody else off the top of my head in the in the conference really deploys a fullback, but you know he played last year as a as a redshirt freshman. Uh, he's back. You know, he, he's going to be leading the way for whoever's you know, lining up behind him. So again, it's just you know, experience. Even at the places where you're, you're maybe on a telecast, you're not going to hear their names very often. But that doesn't mean they're not going to be really important contributors for, especially on the ground. Totally, like I completely agree. Thick, all those guys, everything is this is offense. You don't think of them in offense being explosive or how it, what it is, it should run, run, run. But I think like you mentioned, the combination of all the returning talent, they have the fullbacks, the tight ends, receiving groups, the only kind of questionable area. But even then they have guys out there like Aiden Hart. What do you have? 16 yards a catch over his career. Yeah. It's pretty good. You know what I mean? Like that and a run heavy yeah. offense. So he could be like the over the top guy and get, even if he gets, I don't know, 50 catches, like 12, 12 games, four game or something. And he gets like 50 yards or something. That's perfectly fine. And what they probably want but yeah, I mean, Wyoming definitely has the explosive element down, I would say. You know, you mentioned Everhart averaging nearly like 16 yards a catch, and then opposite him, who I would imagine is going to be, you know, starting in the lineup, Isaiah Nair only had eight catches last year, but when you're averaging 31 yards a catch, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe yeah. you know, that, that number of receptions doesn't matter so much. But, you know, I think, you know, if they want to pass a little bit more, they're going to count on both of those guys to really step up and take on the bulk of that of that burden. Because if there's one area of the of the offense that you know doesn't have that same kind of depth, you know, all of a sudden you look at the roster and there's you know a lot of potential freshmen and sophomores who haven't really seen a lot of playing time behind those two. And so, you know, I think if anywhere on the offense could least afford any kind of extensive injury, it might be a wide receiver. But you know, if Nayer and if Everhart can stay healthy, you know, Everhart's six two and Nayer's six three. And, you know, a lot of the guys behind them are, you know, definitely, you know, six one, six two, six three. So they've got a lot of big targets to take shots down the field, which, again, I think is, is what Wyoming wants to do consistently in, in this coming fall. So you seem pretty high in the offense, as we've been saying, as am I. Where do you, like, put them overall? Like, if I'm looking at offenses, I don't think they're going to be better than Nevada because I think that's the best offense. Hawaii should be pretty good. Boise State always has a solid offense. Air Force runs the ball well. Where do you see his offense? In the Mountain Division, I think they're probably number two behind Boise State, but it's not far. Yeah, I think, you know, I think if you, if you want to look at a particular way of framing it, yeah, I think Bill Connolly brought up that you know, Craig Bull's last four teams have all finished either 95th or worse in offensive SP+. And I think that if they stay healthy and they play up to their potential, they're going to beat a 95th, percent, you know, a 95th yeah, overall ranking pretty handily. Okay, that's fair to say. So, even if they go to the 60, it's like the 10% that gives us a little bit better, or whatever percent you want, that'll help not, because defense was basically, what, a top 20 unit last year? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it actually was. There you go. I know, some, I know that's part of it, right? I know it's somewhere in that, right? Just kind of throw the dart there, I don't know the exact number. But let's just go to the defense, because the offense, if they're better, and defense is going to be 
as good and better to get guys coming back who opt out. Like they get um, what's his name, Solomon Burke coming back who opt out last year, and that'll make a defensive line like with Kurt Grohl, Chris um, Goodbout, all these guys that are really good. And having the leading sack guy from 2019 back on the team for not playing last year, ten total starters. I think it's what is back, right? Am I correct? Yeah, ten starters. Oh, yeah. Does that include? Does that include Bird? I'm not sure. I don't think technically it does. So all eleven guys back essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty good unit, right? <laughs> it's what you want to yeah. have out there. And, and again, you know, I think more so than on the offense, you know, the the defense and especially up front with the defensive line, I think they weathered that particular storm a lot better than anybody would have anticipated. You know, like by a lot of those metrics I, I mentioned a minute ago for the offense uh, and, and how it sort of struggled. The defense didn't have that problem, despite the, the the players that were missing last year. Like they were top twenty by line yards per carry allowed. They were you know sixteenth by opportunity rate allowed, twenty first by power success rate, you know forty third in stuff rate. And oh by the and, and they had a sack rate as a team of eight point one percent, which was twenty third nationally. And that was again, that was without Solomon Bird and, and a couple of other people. So you know now all of a sudden. Yeah, you know, Bird's probably going to come back and step right into the starting lineup without a problem. You know, if Revante Holt, you know, suffers more injury issues, then we we know now that like guys like Cole Godbout and Jordan Bertignol are going to be just fine. Um, you know, Garrett Crawl came back strong in the mm-hmm. second half of last year. He's back for one more go around. But you know, if he gets nicked up again, Victor Jones could step up. Dave and Wells Ross could step up. You know, that's the benefit of, of returning production is like you know. Every contributor up front is back for one more go, and that could that makes this defensive line maybe the most dangerous unit anywhere in the conference. More than Colorado State, we talked about last time. They're deeper than Colorado State. Okay, just saying. Like I, I think if you if you're talking about <laughs> in, I'm, I'm, what I'm, I'm let me be, let me be clear. Like go when you're talking it. about individual units anywhere on either side of the ball in the conference, I think when you're thinking about the best overall units anywhere in the Mountain West. Wyoming's defensive line is on the short list because they've got they've got eight guys who could legitimately get after the quarterback up front, and and oh by the way they're really good at stopping the run as well. You're making me possibly change my record win loss record as we go along here. It's not set in stone yet, so like like let's put it this way. You know, I, I know that I brought up like you know um, available yards percentage in a couple of the past preview podcasts, yes, and it's sort of telling like again without. You know, the, with with the absences that they had on that side of the ball, you know, on offense they allowed uh, you know forty one point four percent of available yards per drive, which was ninety eighth overall. On defense, it was only thirty eight point two percent, and that was thirteenth. And so I feel like, you know, if you, if you're looking for the absolute worst case scenario, I still say this, you know, by that metric, by a lot of these other metrics I mentioned a minute ago, at worst. I would be shocked if this wasn't a top 25 defense overall na- uh, nationally. And it all starts up front, in my opinion. It totally could. Like, you're right. All those guys who started last year, opt-outs coming back in, It's uh, they're going to be better than last year. And and part of it, too, when we get to the schedule, they don't play a Power 5 team early on, so they have a chance just to steamroll, not just put up numbers, but gain confidence and be really good before they start league play. But uh, when we get to that Air Force first, that's dude after a bye week. And, and oh, by the way, the guys oh. playing behind them are also pretty good. You know, so the fact that the, fact that the potential, yeah, yeah the, the fact <laughs> that the potential is so high up front, 
you, you, it sort of makes you forget about the linebackers for a minute. But you know, let's not forget that Muma led the Cowboys with tackles for loss last year. You know, he had eight tackles for loss, and Charles Hicks next to him had three and a half, and Easton Gibbs in part, you know, partial playing time had two and a half. You know, that trio right there, you know, obviously two of them are only going to see the field that you know most of the time. But that's a trio right there where, you know, you were thinking last year, well, how are they going to replace Logan Wilson? Yeah. How are they going to replace Cash and Luke? Well, they're now you don't have any such problems, and, and those three guys are going to be around for the next couple of years as well. Yeah, that unit, like, it's going to be, like, when you look at who they play, kind of, we'll get the schedule, but, like, when they're playing teams who run the ball, like Air Force, that's mm-hmm. a good advantage to have. Fresno with Ronnie Rivers because either stopping backfield or if he catches the passes. Um, you have CSU wants to run the ball. So it's a couple of teams right there within league play where oh, it gives them a pretty good advantage. And it's, yeah, you're right. Like the front, they play the 4 2 5, so it's a little bit unique. They might mix in that third here and there, but that just gives them more flexibility for passing teams that come against them that way. But yeah, linebacker, those, those two guys, backups, it's, it's a small group, but it's again, super stout, which is having a couple of guys. So the TFLs they had last year were experienced coming back. A great coach in Craig Bull has a good defense. There's not there's what else what does he say about the unit? It's like they're gonna be one of the best out in the conference. Yeah, I mean I think it's sort of telling, like Bill Connolly in his preview of the Mountain Division, he threw a couple numbers out there that kind of blew my mind. You know, you talk about um you know, three and out percentage on defense. Um Wyoming was sixth nationally in third down third down third three and out percentage allowed. Mm. Uh and they were also, you know, in just outside the top twenty five in terms of explosive play rate allowed. You know, they were eighth overall with goal-to-go touchdowns against, you know, opposing offenses. And, and and like I said, you know, most of the attention, I think, goes up front with the front six. And, you know, while the, the secondary, you know, they had some, some you know, I think, bend-but-don't-break capabilities a little bit last year. And you look at the fact that, you know, on the one hand, they only allowed 6.8 yards per, per attempt but on the other hand, the only team that had, you know, a higher completion rate allowed was, uh, you know, New Mexico and Utah State. So, you know, again, it's sort of like, you know, six and one half dozen in the other. Which do you believe is, you know, the better indicator of where this team is headed? And again, you look at the back end, everybody's coming back there too. You know, Rome Weber is back and, and the guys who, you know, stayed healthy and, and played throughout last year, CJ Colden, you know, has the potential to be one of the better corners in the conference. Started to really prove it with a full season last year. You know, Azizi Hearn next to him stepped up and replaced Elijah Halliburton just fine. So, again, like this, the secondary has, you know, maybe like like the wide receiver on offense, maybe not quite as much depth overall. You know, I think if any one of these guys gets hurt, you know, they're, all of a sudden they're relying on, you know, freshmen, I think primarily. But, you know, Colden Hearn, Keon Blanketmaker at Nickelback, you know, maybe he's, he could be the best in the conference at that position, you know, if he stays healthy. Uh, and, and the safeties at the back end, Braden Smith and Silas Gandy, maybe they aren't all conference performers, but they definitely aren't net negatives. And so the, the, the defense as a whole seems about as good as it could be if everybody stays healthy and plays up to their, to their potential. Like there may not be a ton of all conference performers. But you're going to be really hard pressed to you know to beat them consistently from drive to drive as a unit. Yeah, I don't know. Like the other, you mentioned all the secondary experience coming back. That's the one area, but it's 
the front, well, the front seven, or I guess the front six, technically, in this part, this particular defense, can mask and shape and kind of overlook a defense secondary that probably be fine, as we mentioned, but mm-hmm. may not be elite as everything else. So they get the quarterback, they get the TFLs, they get the sacks. That'll definitely, if you put pressure on the, uh, it's like the, what they call the cover, not, oh, no, that's the wrong term I was going to say. But if they get the quarterback, it could be quick passes, bad passes, back foot passes, and make the secondary look really good with a lot of with poor completion percentage because those guys are getting to the quarterback. So that's how this secondary unit, which should be still pretty good, maybe not great, like I mentioned, not as good as a front six. But if they get a little bit of help, it'll make them look really good. And then, well, they got to be once or twice, not a big deal, because usually somebody gets a QB, gets a hand up. That's the only issue they could have with teams. If they play a stout offensive line that can hold up against those uh, front front six, and the secondary really has to be on their toes. That's the only area I could see. Or if they do like five wide, they have to adjust the the unit who's on the field. Mm-hmm. Those are a couple concerns here that I could see. But even then, like there's enough down line if they go four or five to get after the QB. Yeah, exactly. But it's yeah, it's going to be. Do you think it's going to be top ten defense with the schedule they have? If they play up to their potential, they could be. All right, I do. I do find it odd. Their SP plus is what ninety? Excuse me, eighty. That seems ridiculous. Overall, yeah, because yeah. again, we and we talked about this with a couple of other teams, but it's sort of that overall disparity between you know how they project on offense versus how they project on defense. I mean, I'm trying to look it up right now. Um, you know, it, and this came out, I believe, in like late January. So yeah. there's there's a chance it might be updated by like July or August for Should be, you know, all the is. all the off season transfers and things like that. But when when Bill Connolly published the first preseason SP plus projections, just keep this in mind: the offense was projected 107th, and the defense was projected 42nd. If they play up to their potential, both sides of the ball should be able to beat those projections, especially offense. Yeah, but like I am. I think did he update them already? I'm looking here. No, this is January. But you're right, like the offense not could be 107th. Like, and that seems even with what we've known, like way to run the ball, it seems like they'd be maybe at least 80. Mm-hmm. Because the passing, I guess, it's part of the passing percentage. The passing game is not good, but there's no way they're going to finish worse than both of those. But this, yeah, this team, it's going to be really good. But they also have some again schedule stuff, a bunch of road games that are tricky on the schedule that I see coming. But let's go special teams, the part I usually forget or not want to talk about, just because it's special teams. Even though I should pay more attention to them, because Avery Williams is a good player, Savon Scarver is a good player, all these guys, all Americans, Ryan Stonehouse, the punter, good players. I just uh, overlook sometimes. Yeah, well, I mean, I think other than John Hoyland, who you know came out of nowhere to be. You know, freshman All-American last year. Yeah, it's sort of like yeah, I would say there are maybe question marks, or, or at least you know, guys who you know, may not actively hurt you in other aspects of the game. <laughs> That's not because good you know, but even Hoyland, I think if there's anything to prove, it's the fact that his longest field goal last year was only 42 yards. So you know, if Wyoming finds himself in a situation where maybe they need him to show a little more range, you know, I think a, you know, a little more opportunity from like 40 yards and beyond could make the difference, you know, between, you know, like a, like an eight win season and a 10 win season. If they just need him to come through in the clutch 
as we've seen with like other teams in the conference who have you know developed outstanding kickers in, over the last couple of years. <laughs> I think right now Hoyland's earned his place in that conversation as you know one of the best specialists in the conference. But you know I think there's that little bit of element to prove it there and, and elsewhere you know I think I never heard a schedule to be the primary return man. Um, again, I don't think he really stood out one way or the other last year. I think if there's a big question, it's, you know, is Wyoming finally going to solve their, their, I don't want to call it a problem, but I guess you would say underperformance in the, in the punting game. Because, you know, Nick Knoll was, you know, not great the last couple of years. Like last year, he was, you know, 38.7 yards per punt, which is a really far cry from some of the, yeah. some of the yards per punt mm-hmm. figures you see elsewhere in the Mountain West. You know, he's gone. I believe he transferred out. Ralph Fawaz, you know, is competing for, you know, for the, for the starting role. So we don't really know much about what that's going to look like yet. And I guess we'll find out because, you know, if it's one of those things where, you know, they can't flip the field the way that they want to and it puts more, it puts more pressure on the defense than is necessary. You know, that's the kind of thing where maybe in the long run it could bite them a, a time or two yeah. throughout the year. So we'll have to we'll have to wait and see how that shakes out. All right, is it schedule time? I believe it is. All right, schedule. Like I said, no Power Five opponents this year. Whatever happens. So here's the guy: Montana State. Is that the good Montana? I forget. Are they both usually pretty good? So this year, actually, <laughs> this and actually, this is this is a timely recording. You're know, recording this on June 27th. It's timely in the sense that I believe Montana State was just recently rated a top 10 FCS team coming into the 2021 season. Pretty good. Um, you know, they were, I believe Athlon had them ranked eighth overall in their preseason rankings. And that's actually coming off of a year where, you know, in 2019, they began the year 14th. You know, they were, I believe, a national semifinalist that year. So they had a really good team a couple of years ago under Jeff Choate. Uh, last year they didn't play. You know, they didn't play in the spring. Um, I think they only had kind of their, you know, modified spring practice schedule. So, you know, they're kind of entering a new era with a, I don't know if I would say a lot of uncertainty, but with a, you know, a unique situation on their hands. You know, Chote is gone. I believe he went to Texas. You know, they brought in, coincidentally enough, uh, a former Wyoming offensive coordinator, Brent Diggin, to be their new, uh, head coach. You know, they've got a quarterback situation that they're still trying to sort out. You know, the the, the starter a couple of years ago, Tucker Rovig, is competing with the transfer from, uh, I want to say from like Louisville. I don't I don't have the roster in front of me. I apologize, but I know his name is Matthew McKay. Um, you know, but they've got you know they've got talent coming back on both sides of the ball. I think the expectations are high for them. So, yeah, Wyoming got a got a relatively soft schedule overall. But I think it's safe to say that, you know, Montana State's not going to be afraid of them coming into this, you know, coming into War Memorial Stadium. You know, the, the Cowboys are going to have to bring their, their A game from, from day one, from week oh, yeah. one. Especially Brent Bridget there, knowing the team a little bit. Yeah. I think that's also something to look at. And then you look at, I'm checking this list really quick. So over at Hero Sports, which does a ton of FCS work, mm-hmm. they put out their top 15 likely, uh, most likely FCS wins over FBS wins. So they put Montana at Wyoming on here at number 11. Hmm. So they have them as a potential upset bid with um, just just to keep an eye out as well. That's something to look out for. Montana like, is a pretty good team. Yeah. 
I think like, like you wouldn't you wouldn't put them on. I mean, you wouldn't put them on the list of like national title contenders at the FCS level, but they're going to compete for a playoff spot at a big sky, which is which is no small feat. Yeah. So that's a little bit about the, about the uh, Bobcats, yeah. But I still have one I mean, winning. Is that what you're Yes. All right, then they go to Northern Illinois, who's typically is a good team. 0-6 last year. Yeah, not so much last year. Not a good team last year. Um, a road game is always tricky for a while. I mean, that's where I kind of have them tripping up a bit here and there. But I don't expect NIU to be that bad again. But then again, I don't know. If, I know last year was weird. It's hard to take everything from it. But they don't go winless very often. And there's got to be kind of a good reason for that, and it's clearly not a good reason to go, go winless. Well, I mean, their offense was was pretty bad last year. Yeah, told, yes, Actually, they were they were just pretty bad all around. Oh, and six, honest. they were bad. Yes, they were bad. Like, they, like to just to give you a sense of how far the team fell last year, you know they they were tenth in the MAC both in terms of scoring offense and scoring defense. And in, in the in the latter, they were giving up over thirty eight points per game. So not yeah. great all the way around. And it's not like they don't have pieces coming back. Like they've got, you know, seven starters on offense and ten on defense. So, you know, Thomas Hammock is, you know, maybe two. set to rebound a little bit. But also, like, he's his offense is in the hands of a former Michigan State quarterback. You know, Rocky Lombardi transferred. He's out there in DeKalb, you know. Um, I don't – I mean, as, as someone who's watched Michigan State on offense here and there yeah. over the years – I don't know exactly how much confidence that inspires. <laughs> but, you know, they've, they've got at least one quality receiver in Tyrese Ritchie. You know, he had almost 600 yards and four touchdowns last year. You know, not a lot of big explosive threats on either side of the ball. This is a game, like, even if Wyoming's on the road, it would be a shock, I think, if they didn't win this game. Yeah, their projected record's, what, 4-8 and eight here. Yeah. SP Plus has, what, 30% chance of victory. Against mm-hmm. Wyoming, so I'm leaning pretty hard at uh, Wyoming to get the victory there yeah. in this game. And then they host Ball. Was it Ball State next week? That's right. And defending uh, defending MAC champions. Defending MAC. They play who else? They play the Mountain West. They play two teams. Who is it? They also play. Was it CSU? Uh, Ball State. Are you talking? Did, did we talk about them recently as well, or no? Well, we talked about them with the Arizona Bowl. Okay, maybe that's what it was. I thought they they have a, they played the Mountain West team here. Another team we discussed, so apparently not. But they come to War Memorial Stadium. They're defending Mac champs. They beat San Jose State in the bowl game. Looking at what they should be this year, they're probably middle of the pack, SP plus about 70, was it 76 year? Mm-hmm. Um, their offense is clearly better than their defense, which will be tough for them to go up against a Wyoming mean, defense of the top 20. I mean, this was—I mean, this was one of the more complete teams anywhere in the group of five last year. Yes. You know, seven and one, five and one overall in the conference, and even the one game they lost was their opener against Miami, Ohio. That was a one-score loss, and and maybe you could make the argument they were like a little bit charmed here and there because they did have one-score wins as well throughout throughout the season. You know, they beat they beat Eastern Michigan by a touchdown, they beat Northern Illinois by six points, they beat Toledo by three, they beat Western Michigan by three. But then when the chips were down and it, and it counted the most, you know, they, they beat Buffalo pretty convincingly in the, in the MAC championship. And they took care of business against a depleted San Jose State team in the bowl game. And, and oh, by the way, you know, their starting quarterback, Drew Plitt, is back. You know, their top two targets from last year, Johannes Tyler and Justin Hall, are coming back. 
you know, I think they have a little bit to replace in the running game, but four of their five starters on the offensive line are coming back as well. Actually, 16, all, five, all five of them are yeah. coming back. And also 16 super seniors are back for another year potential to be see if they can repeat last year. Yeah, and, and their team leader in tackles, Brandon Martin, is coming back. Their team leader in sacks, you know, uh, Anthony Ekpe is coming back. It's going to be a deep team that should compete for the MAC title again. So, again, even though Wyoming is going to get this one at home – you know, Ball State's a good team. And so, I, like, I don't know, do you happen to have the, the percentage of, of win probability in front of you? Yeah, 48. 48. But that sounds right. Like, this is legitimately a 50-50 type game. And I think it will depend on whether or not the Cardinals on offense can, you know, outlast or find answers against what should be a very strong Cowboys defense. I should clarify, it's 48% for Ball State, 52% yeah. for Wyoming. So just make sure it's clear. So, yeah, toss-up. I'm leaning Wyoming to win. Because it's at home, yes, Ball State has, has all that experience, but I think what I expect from the defense and then also the running game, I think it'll be, it can be like twenty-one to seventeen, but it's not going to be. It's going to be a close game, but I think Wyoming's going to be able to pull it out. Yeah, I mean, I think it's. I mean, you mentioned twenty-one seventeen. I think it's likely to be that kind of game too. To me, though, like if if I'm thinking like Ball State's going to have a, a really good defense of its own, and it's a defensive struggle. On paper right now, which offense am I going to trust more to create a play or come through when when the, when the pressure is on? And I think right now, I would probably lean Ball State. So, I mean, I think it's going to be a close game. It wouldn't shock me if Wyoming held serve at home. But right now, I would take Ball State to win that game. You would? Oh, you take Ball State. Okay. I would. Okay. Excellent. Okay, we split the UConn victory, right? UConn. Also, hold on, hold on, hold on. New York Times Nas- 2020 National Champion UConn Huskies. That's <laughs> true, that. huh? <laughs> I just thought about that just then, but uh, I'm going so, to. Do we need? Do we need to have the? Do we need to have a UConn minute since we haven't talked about them at all? You have enough for UConn minute. Well, I mean, they didn't play last year, so that's, <laughs> that was, yeah, I know that's a problem. That's something. Um, <laughs> and and when they did play a couple years ago, they were essentially the worst team in the country. So. <laughs> um, and and that was before like a mass exodus in the transfer portal. Like I'm, I'm I wish uh, you know Daniel Connolly was was on my Twitter timeline right now. But it, I th- if I remember correctly, and this could be hyperbolic, but I don't think it is. But they lost like twenty something players to the transfer portal over the last calendar year. That makes sense. Uh, d- and despite that, though, you know, there a lot of the the contributors they have coming back are, are young guys, and so. Yeah, 2021 is likely to be rough, but this is also the kind of team that could grow together on on that side of the ball. Like Jack Zergiotis, you know, a couple of years ago he had 11 or nine touchdowns, 11 interceptions, but he's only a sophomore. He's probably going to grow into that role. He's got you know a pair of sophomores that he's throwing to Cameron Ma- Cameron Ross and Matt Drayton. You know, Ross had over 700 yards a couple of years ago. So I mean, they've got pieces, and and the defense has a lot of. You know, veteran experience, a lot of juniors, seniors, especially up front. So, yeah, I would. I mean, I'm, I'm going to expect Wyoming to win this game, but you know, it would be nice to see if, if the Huskies are a little more competitive than they've looked over the last couple of years. Like, we'll have to wait and see how that how that shakes I, out. Honestly, I have little to no clue a bit just because they commit all transfers. They didn't play. Um, I yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they play, but I don't expect much in that game. Like, probably going to be a long year in stores. A long couple of years. All right, then they go to – start. here's how the league slate starts off. They go to Air Force. They have a bye after, in between those two games. Go to Air Force, 
Fresno, it's a pretty good tough back-to-back slate. It might be their two toughest games in a row, I think, mm-hmm. and the schedule because, yeah, I'm going to say pretty confident of that. This will be the best test of the defensive line, at least early on, clearly. They'll be a little bit more tougher when they play, I guess, Boise State will be the next best running team on the schedule. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure to expect with Tyler Nevin to say as they say of how great he'll be despite his yards per carry. High, limited runs, though. I don't see them beating Air Force because I like what Air Force always does. It's on the road, which is down the road, essentially. I mean, you're barely driving to get to to get to get the academy, Colorado Springs. I just always seem to like Air Force at home. And Wyoming seems to trip up here and there. Not they trip up, but like you said, their last – you think this is their best year since 96? That's also their last 10-win season. Mm-hmm. So if they're going to want to be that team for 10 wins, well, I do think they're – going to be probably the second-best team in the division because I don't think Air Force has the same record. I think it'll be like two losses. Well, we'll get to my win-loss record overall, but I just – well, I mean, just – unless they can – you're more confident they can prove it to me, I just kind of see that's a game where I can see them trip up and lose to a solid – average to solid Air Force team. See, I think they will beat the Falcons because – and obviously we'll get to this when we get to that team preview podcast – but I see right now just enough questions on the offensive side of the ball for the Falcons in terms of, you know, how much progression is Ezekiel Daniels going to make? You know, how well are is the offensive line going to replace four starters? You know, can they rediscover that you know that big play element of their passing game that you know was you know a big indicator of their success a couple of years ago, but was you know I guess I wouldn't say substantially less so last year. But, you know, it sort of disappeared from their offense from time to time. And so, you know, I, I, could, I look at both of those teams on paper, and I just see that Wyoming, to me, looks better on both sides of the ball, assuming health and all those other things. So I would have the Cowboys winning that game. I'd have them winning at home against Fresno State the next week, too. Oh, boy, you are a fire. Because I think, because I think you know, for, for as explosive as Fresno State looks on offense on paper this year, and the one big question that they'll have to address, and again, we'll talk about it more when they get to that podcast, but their offensive line's a little suspect too. And I think that's that's the thing where, like, if Wyoming can dominate up front, they're going to win a lot of games where even if they scuffle elsewhere, you know, the defense looks more likely to pick them up. And if the offense, you know, regresses to the mean at least a little bit and doesn't scuffle quite as badly as they have over the last couple of years – then you know they should be able to gut out some games that they, that would have normally been close losses in all, in years past. I don't know. I, it's at home, which helps. I just like what Fresno can do. Like Jake Kaner, Ronnie Rivers, you are obviously familiar. I think the offense can do enough against this Wyoming defense. This will be one of the low. Like if you want one of the best games of the conference season, I think this could be it because the two contrasting styles here a little bit. Like that Fresno offense is going to be one of the top three overall. Well, Wyoming, like we discussed it before, how well they could be and what they could be running the ball clearly. There's still an issue with the passing percentage with throwing the ball. I just don't think they'll be able to get done. I think Fresno will be do too many things, moving the ball, passing the ball. It'll really come down to can Fresno slow down like Xavier Valde or something. Because wasn't mm-hmm. it uh, Fresno State last year who they let um, was it, um, Todd Centennial or CSU where they ran like crazy? Was that what it was against Fresno? Was that the – A little bit, yeah. Like, he ran for more than they thought that another team tried to replicate it next week and got shut down. So that could be a concern for that rush defense for Fresno. But I still think – I don't think Wyoming can get it done. I think Fresno has too many offensive weapons. 
Okay. So you're sitting at right now undefeated, six and zero. No, no, no. I had them losing to Ball State. So oh, okay, that's right. Okay. Technically, I have them a five and one. I'm sorry, I thought you said them too. So I'm, okay, I got them at four and two. Then New Mexico win, move on, right? Yeah, I think they'll be. I think they'll beat the Lobos. So that puts them six and one. And there, that brings to, in my opinion, that brings them to the most critical juncture of the season. At San Jose State, home versus Colorado State for the Border War at Boise State. Hmm. That is not an easy stretch. No. I guess the rival, that could be a bigger stretch than what I mentioned before. Maybe not the quality of teams, but ampness of getting ready for CSU. Mm-hmm. So that's a big game by itself. That stretch, I think they'll beat CSU this year. I think, I think that's going to be safe to say. They could beat the Rams. I have them losing both road games because on the road, I don't well, – I mean – I don't see them getting it done on the road this year. San Jose State, I'm not super high, like a 10-win team, I don't think. But we saw what Nick Starkle can do. They have Tyler Evans back running the ball. Even what I should have it up in front of me. But he, I think he averaged, what, seven yards a carry and, like, eight touchdowns. Something pretty significant running the ball, but also on a very limited basis because they threw the ball a ton. We expect them to throw a lot. And as we mentioned, that's the one area of weak of not weakness, but the lesser part of that sec- of the whole unit where, well, I mean, we'll have trouble or could it potentially have trouble? Mm-hmm. And I think Nick Sarkle can maybe pick it apart a little bit here and there. Yeah, I mean, I expect both Wyoming and, and San Jose to be in competition for division titles. And so, you know, this is one of the games where, you know, it may not be at the top of the list as far as, like, these, this is the most anticipated game we're looking at. Like, like, we talked about, you know, Boise State, Nevada, for example, as being kind of at the, like the most highly anticipated games. But I think that game against the Spartans in San Jose is maybe one of the more important games for everybody in the conference. You think so? Why Why for everybody? Because, I, you know, I think if both teams expect to compete, then they're going to they're gonna push to win that game. Like, you know, especially for, for a team like Wyoming where, you know, they don't necessarily want to treat it like a trap game or anything like that, you know, especially with a, with a rivalry game after that. And then, you know, going to the blue – you know, two weeks two weeks later, you know, this is a really important game for both sides. You know, for I think I think what I see in in the game against the Spartans in particular is, you know, how effective is the Spartans passing game going to be having lost their top two passer catchers from last year? And I think if there is any difficulty in replacing Bailey Gaither and Trey Walker, that's the kind of thing where like if 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 Wyoming secondary can handcuff whoever steps up to replace those two, and if they devolve the game into a defensive battle, that's exactly the kind of game that Wyoming wants to play and can probably win. All right, there you go. You think they got San Jose State then? I think they're going to beat San Jose State. What about Boise State then? I, well, we talked about it on the Broncos podcast, oh, yeah, so, okay. so spoiler alert, I do not think they're going to beat Boise State. <laughs> Go back and listen to that one. Doesn't mean they can't or won't. It'll still be a really good game. But that game could potentially be like a division title type of semifinal game, potentially. Mm-hmm. And then they have Utah State on the road, which we've talked about the Aggies. I don't think that'll be relatively close. And they get Hawaii. Wait, wait, wait. Hold, hold on a second. Did you did you say who you thought was going to win the border war? Yeah, I said, oh, I said that first. Yes, Wyoming, sorry. I kind okay. of did. I did that one first, and then went to the two road games. Because, because uh, apologies to, to to Cowboys fans, I did say on the Colorado State podcast that I have the Rams winning that one. 
forgot about that. All right, so send to Matt Kennerly, Twitter eight. <laughs> Josh, and, and, the, and the reason for, and the reason for that, which I think is is the same reason that I that I kind of foresee for the Boise State game in particular, is you know even despite you know, whatever improvements the Cowboys might make on offense, I still think there's a chance they could get stymied by very good defenses. And I think if if the Rams and the Broncos have anything in common, it's the fact that they're both likely to bring it on that side of the ball. And and be and be the teams most likely to beat Wyoming at their own game. All right. So, what do you got then? What's the overall? Well, I okay. So if we're gonna wrap it up by this real quick, I do. No, have no, 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 no. I apologize. Sorry, I I spaced out for half a second. Sorry, I saw some text. I'm, apologies. What's your overall record? I'll go to my assessment of that last game. So I have them at nine and three. Eight and three, okay. And six and two overall in the conference. For me, for me, the Hawaii game again at home, big deal. Like, it, okay, I always get it wrong. Is this the Palomo? What's it called? The trophy, the Palomani trophy. Paniolo. Paniolo, the Hawaiian Cowboy trophy, right? Essentially, mm-hmm. one of the best trophies out there. So first, we need to mention that properly because I always mix it up. I, I think I mix it up with the golden pineapple for the UNLV Hawaii game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Ninth Island guys. Showdown. I thought that's what's going So you got all the trophies down. I got a eh, mix here, there sometimes. But everybody knows you love Calvin Turner. There's Shavon Cordero. And we've seen – it depends on what – also, it's kind of hard. This is the last game of the year before bowl stuff and maybe title game stuff. Hawaii changed last year, end of the season. But there's times where we've seen them in spurts where they have to come from behind, like the Boise State game, to make it interesting. Mm-hmm. Or they have a great scheme versus Nevada in that type of game, which is amazing. So they have a lot of stuff going for them. But it's on the road. It's going to be cold, right? That's a November game. <laughs> yeah, you have to imagine it might be a little bit snowy. Fingers crossed, right? Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, I think the way Hawaii slings the ball, but then again, they have the new coordinators and everything, and coach, because coaches left at UCF and Pitt. I, I'm going with Wyoming because they're the better team and better defense. And probably, honestly, offenses – Maybe a touch better than Hawaii, maybe, just because what Wyoming can do running the ball. So I have Wyoming winning and going eight and four overall with three conference losses, five and three. So, so, so let me no, ask you. No, sorry, excuse me. No, no, no. Apologies. Four conference losses, four and four. Okay. I don't like that, but that's what I have. <laughs> so let me ask you this then. Yes. What is this team's ceiling? Um Honestly, I think 11-1 is a possibility because they could beat Air Force, they could beat Fresno, and they could beat either San Jose State or Boise State. I don't think they'll be both of those teams. But I do think top of the the line 11 wins is a possibility. I think – Are you going 12-0 again? Are you saying another team can go (laughs) 12-0? I'm going to preface this again by saying that going going undefeated is really hard. Yes, it is. I think that if everything breaks right for the Cowboys, there is no team in the Mountain West that is more likely to go undefeated this year. Which is not to say that it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the three games that I have them losing, you know, you know, home versus Ball State, home versus Colorado State, at Boise State, they could win all three of those games. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if, if they hit their, like, 99th percentile, I think that that 99th percentile is an undefeated season. Okay. That's okay. That's fair. Like they, I'm not going to disagree with you, but I still think it's harder than that. 
I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, when I say it's 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 possible, when I say it's doable, like more doable than any other team, I'm still saying like you know, and I'm basing this off of like Football Outsiders and how typically every year in their annual they have like you know a, a spread of, of percentage likelihoods that every team in FBS finishes with like X record, right? And so. Basically, no team in the Mountain West ever has, you know, a 12 and 0 expectancy that's more than like 2%, let's say. And so what I'm saying is like, if you want to be charitable, you can give Wyoming a 5% chance to run the table. But again, 5% is not zero. 5% is 1 in 20. And so like, you know, if, if Sean Chambers stays healthy, if everybody who opted out last year comes back and plays the same way that they did in, in 2019, and if the guys who replaced them in 2020 continue to play like they did in 2020, yeah. and you know if you know the offensive line stays a little more healthy, and you know if you know Everhart and Nayer can continue to create that big play element in this game, yeah, this is a team that can go 12 and 0. It's on the table for them. All right, on the table, 12-0. It's always on the table because you play 12 games. But, but you, you – sorry, not to discount, like I said. It's very difficult. I think they – I'm, I'm leaning more towards you. They could beat every team. I just don't think it's going to happen. No, that's what I'm saying. Under, I don't think defeated is, is hard. But I think, I th- you know, th- this, this fan base, this team internally has every right – to, to expect to compete for a conference title this year because like their their competitive window is open right now maybe exactly. more than it has been like you know more than it has been since 1996 because even in the Josh Allen years they kind of came out of nowhere you know like exactly. you know the year before they went to that conference championship game they were like what two and ten before they made the jump to eight and six and so that's why I think you know obviously you know predicting the Mountain West is very hard this year because. You know, a lot of teams have a lot of returning production coming back, but you know, with Wyoming in particular, with the benefit of the doubt that they've earned under Craig Bowl, you know, like I said, if if Fortune is on their side, you know, this this has you know 1996 like the best, you know, the happy ending version of 1996 where they win yeah. the WAC title and then win their bowl game, you know, it has that written all over it, which you know maybe that's setting the bar really high. But you know, I was say I was saying like in in January, like I was buying Wyoming stock, and and I haven't really seen anything since then to dissuade me from that. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it. You tense on the feed season. You have it again. I'm eight and four. You are nine and three. No pressure. No pressure. Yeah. No pressure. <laughs> Come on. You got this. Come on. New O's first year C. Come on. Craig Bull. You got to get it done. Right. This is your like, year. Let's put it this way. They haven't won nine games since they won ten games. Yeah. Exactly. Six. I'm just looking right now. Yeah. They had a couple eight win seasons for the three of the past five years. Well, I guess really three of the four last year. I don't include too much, but three of the past four, four times this decade, they've had eight wins or more. So we'll see how it goes. That's our Wyoming Cowboys preview, folks. So if you complain, just go to MWC Wire on Twitter to yell at us for stuff we mistakenly said or. Praise Matt, who says 12 no's on the table, and I hate you guys because I have you only eight wins. <laughs> so you see how that goes. But, like, again, this seems odd. It'll be great. I like how this team could play out. There's more potential. Um, but, yeah, check us at MWR.com. Instagram, all stuff over there with our top 50 count. That eventually Mountain List Wire, Facebook, all that great stuff. And we'll be back next week with a new team because we are officially not halfway through the pre- off season of previews. Mm-hmm. So, until then, folks, we'll see you next time.